Well, good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. Those of you gathered in the room and those of you participating online, we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, we like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using forever. The Lord be with you. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it if uh, they're watching online, but uh, there is thunder rumbling. And uh, so one of the prayers that's been rolling in the back of my mind all morning is, please don't lose power, please don't lose power, please don't lose power. So um, if we do, those of us in the room can continue to worship together, but we'll lose those of you who are online, and, uh, and we'll figure something out if that happens. But uh, I suppose if we all lose power, we'll have other things to worry about right now. So you bow your heads with me. Let's continue the prayer that we started with these songs. God, we are grateful to you for your presence with us in the midst of the storms of life. As we're, as we're hearing the, the, the storm raging outside this building, God, you know that uh, for many of us, that's just a reflection of the storm that's raging in our hearts, in our thoughts today. Uh, we've got so many things going on in life, uh, in the world, that, uh, that God, we need you in, in our lives. We need you to... Well, just like the disciples needed you in that boat when they were on the, on the lake in the middle of that storm. And they thought they were going to die. They didn't see how they were going to make it through. And when they turned to you, Jesus, you just stood up and commanded the wind and the waves to be still. You brought peace. And in that same way, Lord Jesus, we turn to you today and ask that you would bring peace to our troubled hearts, to our troubled minds. We pray that you would give us wisdom for those choices that we face, the decisions we need to make. Guide us, God, as we navigate the waters in front of us. Um, God, would you, uh, would you grant us peace in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of storms? For so many of us, God, there are just, it seems like an overwhelming number of things that we just can't do anything about. There's nothing we can do to change those circumstances. But God... It gives us peace knowing that we walk through those circumstances with you by our side, that we are following you through these things, that your spirit guides us, protects us, gives us grace, gives us strength. So today, God, we lift all of it up to you, trusting that you are who Jesus taught us, that you are our heavenly father who loves us, who knows what's going on in our lives and who invites us to, to live lives open to you open to receiving your grace and your goodness, your strength, your love. Thank you, God, that in Jesus Christ you demonstrated you are present with us in the ugliness of life. We know you are with us today. And it's that confidence that leads us to, to pray to you like this, that, that leads us to sing to you, that leads us to to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity we have to focus on you today. Help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, Again, I, I, someday we'll come up with some good thing to do in lieu of uh, the greeting each other time. Right now, we would normally be walking around the room and greeting each other. And uh, maybe today, instead of a wave, maybe you give one of those little uh, deferential bows to someone across the room. I'm not sure. Uh, in some way to extend the peace of Christ to someone. Thank you, Joe and Crystal, for leading us uh, musically this morning. Uh, so uh, appreciative of your gifts and your willingness to share them with us. Uh, Joe and Crystal have a daughter, Lexi, who has just graduated from high school, and they're actually celebrating uh, this Saturday, 
Uh, hopefully the weather will be better Saturday than it is right now. Okay, good. Uh, out at uh, Rogers Lakewood, I believe, 2 to 6, I think. All right. And uh, so uh, Lexi is heading off to, uh, to Valparaiso University, going to study nursing there. And a um, little, little following in the footsteps, I suppose, maybe. <laughs> Crystal said she tried to talk her out of it. She really did. Um, anyway. Uh, so if you want to celebrate with them, uh, Joe has told me they're going to they've they're have a stack of masks with them. They're inviting people to bring lawn chairs and all of that. They're going to do their best to help people stay safe while they're there to celebrate uh, Lexi's graduation. So uh, congrats, Lexi, if you're watching this. Congratulations uh, again. Uh, and um, looking forward to seeing what God does with you uh, and with your life as you continue to trust and follow him. I gotta say, this is probably the, maybe the loudest storm I can recall on a Sunday morning uh, when, I'm, when I'm trying to talk with you and share with you the things that God's laid on my heart. And uh, so we'll, this will be interesting. Um, at least I can see through the doors outside to see that it's, it's all still, like the world is still there. It hasn't all washed away or anything. Uh, I do have a, uh, oh, uh, in, in, for brief announcements, if you want to give, you can, you can give. Those of you in the room can drop it in the box. Those of you online can go to the website. You can give online. Thank you again to all of you who are giving generously. And uh, if you want to know more about Living Hope, you can just go to livinghope.info. Click around there. You'll learn most of the things that we have to share, including links to our Facebook page. Livinghope.info slash Facebook takes you right there, or slash YouTube takes you to our YouTube channel. Uh, I know the, that most of the church has continued to participate online, and we're thankful for that. Please reach out, email us, call us, text me. Uh, let me know if there's some way that we can be serving you or praying with you or anything, anything of the sort. Um, I, I have a confession to make today that uh, there are no notes on the, in the thing. So we won't have any problems like we had last week where I screwed up and we were going totally blank on video uh, when, in between uh, scripture verses. I tried to get it all in there like three times this morning. I thought I was ahead of the game. Like, like an hour before the service started, I was almost done and it crashed. And I thought, oh, okay, well, we'll start it up again. I'll, I'll you know, do that update that needs to be done on the computer, and well, let's, let's try it again. And it crashed again. I think I got partway through the third time, it crashed again, and I, I just gave up. All right, so um, if you are uh, wanting to follow along, you can open the Bible or the Bible app or whatever. Or I think there's a Bible tab, for those of you perhaps watching online, to Matthew chapter 6, because that's where we're going to be today. We're going to cover Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, the... Um, um, the best, best isn't the right word. All of Jesus' teachings are great. This is one of the best known collections of Jesus' teachings that for millennia now, Christians have focused in on the Sermon on the Mount as kind of the heart of what Jesus wanted us to know as his followers, who he wants us, who he wants us to be, the kind of life we ought to be living. And um, uh, we looked a couple weeks ago at how he starts out by blessing people no one else is blessing, the meek, the poor, uh, the disenfranchised. He's reaching out to them and saying, you are blessed by God, and you have reason to be blessed, to be happy, because God's kingdom is coming. That's the message he'd been proclaiming. If you back up to Matthew chapter 4, he'd been proclaiming, look, God's kingdom is coming. It's arriving in me. This is good news for those who are on the, on the bottom side of life, because God is coming to lift you up. So if you're mourning right now, you will be comforted. If you're empty right now, you will be filled. Um, and he proclaims this good news, these words of blessing, saying God has not forgotten you, God is with you. And uh, he calls us to be salt that makes people thirsty for God, light that, that points people toward our Heavenly Father. And, um, and then last week we looked at how Jesus, as kind of the new Moses, uh, calls us to go way beyond uh, this external only obedience, this bare minimum surface level kind of obedience, and, uh, and calls us instead to this inner transformation, to this maturity of character that's expressed in a life that reflects God's love. 
And so instead of just like not killing people, you know, we have to live lives of this uh, radical reconciliation. And he just, he goes through and all these different things. You've heard that it was said, you know, and, and well, at least I'm not actually going out and sleeping with someone else's wife. And Jesus says, look, look, if you're just looking at someone lustfully, there's already a heart issue there that you need to deal with and need to deal with radically. You need to make sure that your, your heart, what goes on in your heart matters because it's going to be reflected in your life ultimately. And so Jesus, that's why he says to them early on, look, your righteousness has to go beyond that of the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Jesus over and over again bumped into them and said, look, you guys do everything right on the outside, but inside it's ugly still. You need to let God transform your heart. You need to let God transform uh, the inside of you. And then what goes on on the outside of you will look good. It will be pleasing to God because you've allowed God's spirit to change what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And we see that reflected again today in, in Matthew chapter 6. Um, as Jesus looks at some of these, uh, man, I just got to like, like pause or giggle or something. I'm not sure what to do. And uh, uh, we've told our boys that thunder, no, actually it wasn't us that told our boys this. Uh, it was my dad that told our boys that the thunder, to help them not be afraid, to say, oh, that's just God clapping. So I'll just say God's really pleased with us gathering together to worship today, all right, or something like that. All right. Uh, when we get to Matthew chapter 6, there's kind of two sections to this chapter. We're going to hit the whole chapter because we're just spending this month in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're not going to dive deep into a bunch of these things. If you want to dive a little deeper on any of these, uh, join us Wednesday night for the Bible study, either on Zoom or here in person. And uh, bring your questions if there's a particular part of this you want more uh, discussion about. I would love to do that. Uh, but he starts chapter 6 by saying, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Which at first, when you see that, you think, wait a minute. Just like a few verses earlier, you were saying, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. You know, you're going to do your good works before others so they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Like you were telling us to live our lives boldly and in the open to not hide what we do. And now you're saying... Hey, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you don't have any reward from your Father in heaven. And uh, as we go through, he, goes, he talks about giving and praying and fasting and how some people, he calls them hypocrites or play actors, uh, which is what a hypocrite was. There, That's what that word comes from. It's just a Greek word that we, instead of translating, just brought it into English. It's a, it's a play actor. So some people are just play acting. They're doing these good things uh, for others, in front of others, in order to be seen by them. Like, that's why they're doing it. And he's saying, don't be like that. Now, of course, if you're a person of integrity, if you're following Jesus, if you're loving God, people are going to see that your life is different. It's like, like you said, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Like, there's no way to hide the fact that you're going to love your enemies, <laughs> difficult ones that we talked about last week, uh, that you're going to be kind and generous and do these things. People are going to catch you giving and praying and sometimes they even, might even find out you're fasting, you know, although that's one that most of the time we can hide pretty well. Um, he said, you know, people stumble upon, across it. He said, no big deal. It's not, not a problem. Uh, but you don't do that in order to be seen by other people. We all see the distinction there, right? I mean, there's a big difference between uh, loving God and living your life in a way that honors him and other people seeing it and doing those things in order for other people to see it. Now, he gives some examples, and, and again, he's speaking in prophetic hyperbole. It was the phrase that I heard another pastor use that I like, so I'm going to keep reminding you of it. It's prophetic because it's just black and white. It lays it out there, no exceptions. Uh, you know, he's, he's putting it out for everybody to see. And, uh, and it's hyperbole. Oftentimes, he's using hyperbole, exaggeration, to make a point. Um, we see this right here. He says, so when you give to the needy, 
Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Now, I'm guessing they weren't actually out there saying, da, 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 look, I'm helping this poor person. You know, that's exaggeration to make a point. He's saying, don't make a big show out of it. He says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. He said, they got applause from others and people saying, oh, wow, he's so spiritual and generous. Wow. But that's the only reward they're getting. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So your giving may be in secret. Now, I've heard some people try to take that to an extreme where, like, they're actually, like, you know, walking by and they're, like, reaching their pocket and they don't even know how much money was in there and they're dropping it in the box or the plate or whatever. And, like, I'm not supposed to know. You know, my right hand, I don't, my right hand's not going to know. I can't know. And, and, like, again, he's exaggerating to make a point. He's saying, be subtle about it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the pattern that he follows for all three of these. Don't be like the hypocrites who do these things to be seen by others. If you do, that's, that's the only reward they're going to get. You do it secretly, give secretly, pray secretly, fast secretly, and your father who sees what's done secretly, he'll reward you. Because you're not doing this to be seen by others. You're doing this just for God. You're doing this because this is something that pleases God, that connects you to, to the, the heart of God. And so God rewards you for that. Now, he doesn't go into detail talking about what that reward might be, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. He, he hints at it. So then when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, the play actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, again, he's not saying you can't pray in public or you can't pray in front of others. Jesus prayed in front of his disciples, prayed in public. Um, in fact, one time even prays to his heavenly father and says, I think this is when he was uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, says like, you know what, God, I, I know what you want and everything, but I, I prayed this so that, so that these folks would know that you love me and that you listen. And it's like he's even praying publicly in orders that people can understand more about his relationship with his heavenly father, not to get their applause, but to, but to teach. So again, he's... he's speaking in prophetic hyperbole here. But he's saying, look, the point of it is don't be a play actor who's doing this to get the applause of others. When you pray, pray secretly, and your father who is unseen and sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Then he brings up some other people. You know, hypocrites are the religious folks, right? And we've all seen them or been them at some point in our lives who are doing the religious thing and maybe even love God, love Jesus, but our ego drives us to the point of... Uh, you know, wanting that affirmation from others. And so, you know, it kind of feels good to be recognized when you've done something good, right? When you give and someone says, oh, thank you for, for giving. You know, like just a moment ago, I thank Joe and Crystal for giving of their gifts, sharing their gifts with all of us. I'm guessing that when they hear that thanks, it kind of feels good a little bit, right? Um, to be acknowledged, to be thanked. Uh, it's, it feels good. Sometimes we can get to the point where that's driving us. And we're doing these things in order to be thanked, in order to be seen by others, in order to get that little reward there. We're, we're religious folks, and we're doing it for hypocritical reasons. Now he brings up another group of people. that uh, They just come up here, and then they come up at the end of the chapter, the pagans. He says, when you pray, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, so there's the religious folks who know all the right stuff, but are now are doing it for the wrong reason. And then there's these pagans who don't, they don't know the right stuff. They don't know that God is a heavenly father who knows our needs. And we don't need to like get his attention or shout louder or use fancy words or more words before God finally listens. He's like, no, don't think you have to do that. 
Your father knows what you need, even before you ask him. You don't have to go out of your way. They they do that because they don't know any better. You know better. You know that God is a father who sees what is unseen, who sees you, and who knows your needs. And so then he teaches them. He says, this then is how you should pray. And he teaches us the prayer that we pray every Sunday here. Uh, We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some call it the Our Father. Just as our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, we usually say trespasses and those who trespass against us because traditions have varied over the years and translations and all of that. If, you've, if that trespassing language and people stepping on your toes doesn't help you to think about this forgiveness and how God forgives you and how we need to forgive others, maybe the debt language will. God, forgive us our debts, what we owe you, as we have also forgiven our debtors, people who owe us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then at some point early on, uh, Christians added, as they began to pray this prayer up to three times a day uh, by the end of the first century, at some point early on, they added on that little tag that we include on Sundays, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's, it's you, God. It's not about me. It's not about getting attention to me. It's not about building my kingdom. It's about your kingdom for your glory. And then Jesus goes ahead and he, he draws out that one point about forgiveness. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He going back to something he just said in the last chapter, how important reconciliation is. And that we can't just think, I'm okay with you, God, but all those other people, they stink and I hate them. He said, you can't do that. That's not how it works. He said, you got to be willing to forgive others if you expect God to forgive you. That shows that your heart is being transformed by his Holy Spirit as you find yourself able to forgive others, showing that God is at work. But if you harbor bitterness and you refuse to forgive, uh, he says, well, look, you're showing your heart is closed off to the love and the grace of God that he wants to give. So when you give, you know, do it secretly. When you pray, do it secretly and know that your Heavenly Father sees and knows. And then he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. I am terrible at fasting, just so you know. Christians early on had a practice of fasting uh, from the time of Jesus onward. Um, where they would fast once or twice a week, just on a regular basis. It was a day that they would fast. They would take the money that they would have spent on, on food, and they would give it to the poor. And that day of fasting would be spent uh, with extra time given to prayer, uh, extra time given to, to God. I need to build some kind of a pattern like that into my life. You can tell looking at me, I'm not good at fasting. I mean, I put on the quarantine 19 or whatever. I, I did it like early, you know. I, 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 I front-loaded that thing. Um, <laughs> fasting, and fasting isn't just a dieting thing, though. I mean, I, I like to eat is what I'm saying. I have a hard time saying no to the food. Um, I'm a midnight snacker. Uh, <clears throat> he's saying when you fast. And so when I fast, those times when I do actually fast, it's like a little bit of an effort sometimes to not disfigure my face because I'm feeling it, you know. Um, he's saying they, they go out and they like, oh, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting today. And like, oh, okay, you know, oh, you're so spiritual. Like, no, no. When you fast, he says, put oil on your head, wash your face so it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that's, that's those, those first three, the giving, the praying, the fasting. And he emphasizes over and over again the God that you're obeying by doing these righteous things, these good things, giving to the needy, praying to him, fasting. 
This God is your heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret. That whole idea of God seeing what is done in secret, sometimes it's like a scary thought in my mind. You know, like, oh, okay, I can't get away with anything. You know, he sees what's done in secret. But it also is an encouraging thing. That those things that you do that don't get any recognition, the ways that you work, uh, the ways that you serve, the things that you do for others that nobody else ever knows, he's saying, look, your heavenly father sees that. He'll reward you for that. And that, that isn't just lost out there. That is good. You might not ever be featured on the front of a magazine or uh, your you know, video about your good deed might not ever go viral or whatever, but, uh, but God has seen what you have done. God has noticed there will be reward for that. Speaking of reward, that's kind of where he goes next. Uh, And maybe this is why this follows that section in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 19 of chapter 6, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says there's two places you can store stuff up. You could, you could store things up here on earth and store up treasures for yourself, or you can store up treasures in heaven. Now, again, I don't think Jesus is being very black and white. He's saying, don't do this, only do this. I think there's a bit of exaggeration going on there because, um, you know, there were people in Jesus' day, Christians, who didn't, they didn't all just totally divest themselves of all investments and all savings. Um, uh, there was one person that Jesus said that to, a young man that came to Jesus and asked, you know, like, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? It's in Matthew chapter 19. And Jesus tells him, like, well, you know, obey the commandments, you know, and starts to list some of the commandments. And, and the young man's like, well, yeah, I've, I've done all of those. What else do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, I, I should read it. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And it says that young man went away sad because he had many possessions. And Jesus went on to tell the disciples, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's hard for us to let go of our stuff. But Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, that's interesting. That's that word that we looked at last week, right? At the end of chapter 5, where Jesus says you need to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. We talked about how that doesn't mean necessarily what we think of as perfect. Like, oh, I never make any mistakes. And, and you know, it's just this kind of idealized thing. But perfect means like you are mature. You are who you were created to be. You've reached your destination. And you're living the life you were created for. And the example he gives with our Heavenly Father is he loves indiscriminately. He gives sun and rain to the wicked and to the righteous. And so you too need to be to love your enemies, not just those who love you. You need to be good, even to people who don't deserve it. So he says, if you want to be perfect, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. That's, that was the way of thinking about this in, in Jesus' day that Jesus expresses, that if you want to have treasure in heaven, you you. You send it there by giving it to the poor. That's, that's like, um, I'm trying to think of the modern-day analogy. You know, like when, you're, when you've got cash and you're like, okay, I need to stick to my savings account, you take it to the ATM, right, and you insert it and you tell it to put it in there and it goes into your account or whatever. I don't know. I'm, all my stuff happens online and digital anymore. I almost never use cash. So um, it's a little bit like that. He's saying, oh, you want to send this money on ahead, you know, and have treasure in heaven? You give it to someone in need and you provide for their need. And as you do that, you're giving it to God. You're acting as God's agent. God sees it. God rewards you. There's treasure in heaven. So Jesus is saying here, he's like, look, you cannot be all about the money and storing it up for yourself. He says, look, 
You know, the treasures you store up here, you got to, you know, vermin, uh, moths, they eat at it, they destroy it. It wears out. He says, instead, it's much better to let, store those treasures in heaven. He does a little bit about the eye being the lamp of the body. And he says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I've read lots of different things trying to make sense of that. Like, what does that mean? And there's a whole deal about a stingy eye or an evil eye in those days that it seems to be connected to the idea of giving. That if your eye is just, if you're focused on that money and keeping it for me, so that's like an evil thing. And it, it, it brings, your, your life is just full of darkness. But if you are generous, if you have a generous eye, if you're noticing the people around you who are in need and are responding to those needs, he says your life is, is full of light. That's a healthy way to live. Verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And we've all probably bumped into that at some point where we've got dual allegiances. Um, we're seeing it all the time right now in the news, right? Where there are like things pulling us in two directions. There's safety and trying to, trying to preserve life and trying to protect others, and, and that would lead us to all, you know, mask up and shut things down and isolate and, and forget about going to school because, you know, that's just going to be a petri dish of germs and all that. And so there's this, this one uh, master, I guess, this one um, desire to, to protect and to be healthy, and then there's the other desire to like, well, yeah, but we've got to like reopen the economy and kids need to learn and they learn better in the classroom. And, and what do we, you know, if we all just stay at home, what is that, what's that going to do? And no one can work and, and you know, essential people have to work anyway. And you know, they're like these dual things pulling us in two directions. And here we are as a society trying to figure out how to please both masters and it's not easy. You know, you end up having to lean one way or the other on different issues. And I know some of you like live way over here and some of you live way over there and, and we're all together trying to navigate our way through. Or on a simpler you know, example, some of you have just had two jobs at the same time and tried to figure out, okay, uh, they both scheduled me on the same night. How am I supposed to make this work? I gotta, I'm going to have to choose which job I go to, I guess. I can't be in two places at once. And he's saying God and money will both try to be your master, both want to be your master, you cannot serve them both. Guess which one Jesus wants you to serve? <laughs> Not the money. All right? God wants our hearts, wants our lives, wants our devotion. He says you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. And sometimes that's going to mean I don't do what makes the most financial sense for me or mine because God is calling me to be generous in a way that stretches me. God is calling me to give beyond uh, what I was expecting now, again, we're, I think we're all glad that Jesus only told that one young man, like, sell it all and give it to the poor. I think most of us are like, whew, okay, he hasn't said that to me yet. Um, we just heard a few weeks ago about how Zacchaeus, um, he gave half of his possessions to the poor. He was very wealthy. He gave half of it away. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. And he like, affirmed that this was the right thing that he was doing. Um, for each of us, we have to figure out for ourselves where those lines get drawn and listen to God's Holy Spirit and follow his lead, saying, okay, God, you're going to be the boss here. Not my pocketbook, not my money, not my job, not the ways I earn money. I'm going to do my best, God, to follow you, to give you my heart, my life, including the financial side of life. So then he continues kind of down that theme of needing resources and providing. In verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. 
what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So again, here he is talking about what goes on inside of us, right? He's been talking about that that desire for our ego to be stroked and for us to to look good in in front of others and saying, look, you can't listen to that. Can't can't go down that road. That's that's a recipe for disaster for your spiritual life. He's, He's talked about, like, I suppose we could say he's talked about greed or that desire to hang on to it for ourselves instead of for... Now he's talking about worry. It's like, look, don't worry. And he gives examples like how our heavenly father feeds the birds of the air. And you're more valuable than they are. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer to that obviously is no, right? Uh, we all know that we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to be happy. Do, 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 do. There's a whole song about that that most of us have heard and know and could sing it right now, or at least that line. Uh, here's a little song I wrote, and then I lose it. Okay, I don't know the rest of it. Um, but uh, we know we're not supposed to worry. You know, that, that verse from Philippians chapter 4 is a favorite of ours here at this church, uh, telling us look, not, to, not to worry, but instead to pray, to tell God what we need and thank him for all he's done. Then we'll experience God's peace. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7, I think it is. And so we know that, but that doesn't mean we don't still fall into it sometimes. And so Jesus is encouraging us here. He's like, look, remember, your heavenly Father provides he feeds the birds of the air. And then he says, why worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Uh, I suppose today we'd have to point at some other celebrity who's known for being wealthy and dressing well or something. You know, Solomon was kind of the celebrity of the kings that they had had in their history. The wealthiest, the, the, at the height of their economy, um, the national economy, Solomon was the, was the man. It's like even Solomon wasn't dressed like, like the flowers of the field. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? For, and he brings them up again, the pagans run after all these things. Again, the people who don't know any better. It's like they don't know. No one has told them. They haven't, they haven't understood yet that God knows them, that he loves them. And so, of course, they're chasing after all these things, thinking they have to provide for themselves, that it all depends on them. So the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he reminds us right there, like your heavenly Father knows what you need. He sees, your heavenly Father sees what's done in secret. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him, he said when he's teaching about prayer. Here he comes back to it. Your heavenly father knows that you need food and drink and clothing. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Basically saying, put God first. Let God be king. Don't let stuff rule in your heart. Don't let your ego rule in your heart and sit on the throne of your life and direct where you go. He says, let God be king. Seek to please God. Do what is right. And all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, this doesn't mean you don't work hard. doesn't mean you don't hustle. Of course you do. You have to, to provide for yourself and for others. And there's plenty of other scriptures that remind us of the importance of work, not just to provide for your own needs, but also for the needs of others. 
we are, uh, we're commanded to do that in other parts of Scripture. So he's not saying don't work. He's saying don't worry. Like your heavenly Father knows your needs and will provide for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> like, don't borrow tomorrow's troubles. Like, you know, there's going to be troubles tomorrow. You worry about those then. Like, you don't, need to, you don't need to start that now. Right now, live here in the present and know that God is with you. He loves you. Your Heavenly Father sees and knows, and he loves you. That's, to me, that's kind of the core that lies through this whole chapter. Uh, as he's talking about what goes on on the inside of us, and then how that gets expressed on the outside of us. Uh, he's saying, look, at the core of your being, you have to be convinced. You have to know that the God who made you and gave you life is like a father who loves. He's, he's your heavenly father who sees everything, including what is done in secret. He knows your needs, and he cares, and he loves, and he is with you, and he'll provide for you. He will not let you slip through his fingers. Some of us are going to be more prone toward the, the hypocrite play-acting thing. Some of us may find ourselves living more like the pagans. and It's because, like it hasn't sunk in yet, the truth of this, that God loves us and is with us and knows. Jesus is calling us, again, to this life, this transformed life that reflects his love and his grace. And that starts by having a, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It starts by making sure that that relationship is, is clear, is good. In First John chapter 3, um, yeah, there's two different things that John has written. Uh, I've got First John chapter 3 verse 1 here in my notes where he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So this is, this is God's abundant love that he has lavished on us, that we get to be called his children, that we get to be adopted into his family. He said, this is an amazing thing. And I'm reminded, too, of, of the beginning of John's gospel. He's talking about how amazing it is that, that, that God, the Son, comes down to us, becomes human. The Word becomes flesh and lives among us and dwells among us. The light shining in the darkness. He says, to all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We have the opportunity to, to receive Jesus, to not just listen to this as good advice, uh, to not just hear this and think, you know, that Jesus guy was all right. You know, I think he, he understood a few things. But say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to let you be who you are. I'm going to let you be king. I'm going to let you be the one who, who leads me through life. I'm going to do my best with your spirit helping me to follow you, to pattern my life after you, to trust that when you teach me these things, you really know what you're talking about. And I, I should... I should do this. I should build my life on this. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and as he, as he ends the sermon, with that example of the, the wise and foolish builders. So it's a foolish thing just to hear these things and then not do anything with them. So you want to be wise. You want to build your life on a sure foundation. You will hear these words and you'll put them into practice. That's the ultimate expression of, of trust in Jesus. Where we say, okay, Jesus, I trust you. I hear what you say and I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to let you be my Lord and King. This is our, our Heavenly Father's uh, greatest expression of love for us, that he gives us his son, Jesus. 
to enter into our, our ugly, broken world, to give his life for us. And then to, he right, our Heavenly Father raises Jesus from the dead, conquering sin and death, inviting us into this new and transformed life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we get to participate in, um, in your life as we trust you. You give us your Holy Spirit. You take what was dead in us and you make us alive. So God, today we pray that you would help us not just to hear these words, but that we would, we would let them sink in, that we would let the truth of you being our Heavenly Father who sees and who knows sink in. God, for some of us maybe we, we struggle with the, the ego thing or the money thing, but I'm guessing, God, that probably most of the folks listening right now, it's the worry thing that, that, that gets us most often. So would you remind us today, God, of your great love for us, Would you remind us that you see, that you know, that our struggles, our frustrations, that these are not hidden from you, but that you are with us in the midst of it all. Help us, God, to know you as our loving Heavenly Father. This this relationship that has been opened up for us uh, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you, God, that in just a couple minutes, we're going to get to celebrate this sacrament of communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice, praying that by your Holy Spirit's presence with us here and now, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves today, God. And we give you thanks that as we confess our sins to you, you are faithful You are just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You give us your Holy Spirit that helps us to know ourselves as your sons and daughters. That helps us to know you as our loving Heavenly Father. It helps us to live a transformed life where your goodness, your righteousness, your light, your life flows through us. Thank you, God for the transformation you continue to work in all of our lives, mine included. God, none of us have arrived. None of us have reached that place where we don't need your continued work, your continued grace. So today, God, we acknowledge to you those areas in which our lives have not reflected this confidence in you, this full devotion to you, this um, willingness to to love and serve and do good when, when no one else is watching. God, we acknowledge to you today that, that we, uh, we have imperfectly done all these things. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live differently this week. That this week can be better than last week. That today can be better than yesterday. Help us, God, to continue to cooperate with the transforming work of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And uh, for those of you participating from home, um, if you're participating in communion and you haven't already gathered together bread or juice, now is your chance uh, to get those. We'll celebrate communion together before we go. Thank you, God, for all that you have provided for us, all the ways that you have given to us, all of the, the riches of your grace and your love, your life. Thank you for the sacrament of communion that we get to celebrate today. It's a tangible touchable reminder of your love displayed in Jesus Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he was having this uh, Passover meal with his disciples, celebrating the way that God had delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And, and then he transformed it from a remembrance of something done uh, hundreds of years previously to something he was about to do, giving his life on the cross. He took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After supper, he took the cup, said, this is my blood, the new covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, God, the great gift of your son, Jesus Christ, the love that you have poured out for us to purchase our freedom, to defeat the powers of, of sin and death and evil, so that today we can live as your kids, as your sons and daughters, confident in your love, trusting in you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.